Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome to all of you who are participating online. Uh, we're glad that you're here, glad that you're with us. Uh, this is what we're doing these days still. So I know it's July, and hopefully all of you were able to uh, sleep through the explosions and the fireworks and everything last night. Um, we uh, struggled with that a little bit. If, if you were one of the ones setting them off, thanks, I guess. All right. Um, Anyway, it's good to be a part, uh, to live in a country where we have the freedoms that we, that we enjoy, even though we're all kind of chafing under the, the limitations that we have right now and wearing masks and all that good stuff uh, and keeping our distance from each other uh, for the sake of everyone's health. Uh, I'm still grateful that we live where we do with the freedoms that we enjoy, that we can gather like this, whether in person or online, uh, to worship God and to, to celebrate uh, all of his goodness and all of his love. Um, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using forever, uh, the Lord be with you. And also That's my prayer, is that God will be with us, that he'll make his presence known to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you for the way that your love leads us through, uh, the way that you bring peace in our troubled seas, as we've just been singing about. God, you know how many of our hearts are troubled these days. Uh, you know the things that are troubling them. Uh, some of them are, are big things that we see on the news that they're spreading across our country. Uh, uh, God, some of them are little things that no one else would know except for us. Um, God, you know what troubles us. And we thank you that today you are the one who is able to bring peace. You are able to help us, uh, even when the storms are raging, to know that you're with us. To, to have that sense of security, that sense of uh, standing on solid ground, that, that sense that, uh, that, that the storm is not going to capsize us, we are not going to go under, because you are right there with us. And you have the ability to stand up in the middle of the storm and just say, peace, be still. You can change our circumstances, you can change our hearts. And the amazing thing to me, God, is that so many times you work through us. As you change our hearts, you work through us to bring that change to society, to bring that change to others who are troubled. Uh, to help them experience peace, to help them experience grace. Help us, God, uh, to live our lives, um, well, I almost want to say untroubled. Um, I mean, the reality is that we will be troubled, we will have trouble, but then because we are trusting in you, you give us this peace so that we can walk through the midst of difficulty almost like Peter walking on the waters because we, keeps our, we keep our eyes focused on you. Help us, God. Help us to move through this life with a confidence in you that is strange, that is unusual, that doesn't make sense to the people around us. And they find themselves coming to us and saying, how are you so calm? How are you able to persevere? How are you able to keep on pushing in light of this, this adversity, in light of this struggle? How are you able to continue with hope, with peace? And God, we can point them to you. You are the source of our life. You are the source of our hope. You are the source of our peace. Today, God, we lift up our hearts and minds to you. We lift up to you all of our troubles, all of the, the, the storms that are raging in our minds and hearts. Help us, God, to see them all in light of your great love, in, in the light of your amazing grace. You are so good to us, God. Help us to keep our eyes, our hearts, our thoughts fixed on you. Thank you again, God. 
uh, for the, the chance we have to gather together today, whether virtually or here in the room. Uh, God, we are thankful for the chance to be together uh, with each other and with you. Would you speak to our minds and hearts today? Would you, um, would you unite us, God? Would you knit us together? As we open our hearts and thoughts to you, may we experience uh, your thoughts. May we feel your love for us and for the people around us. We give you thanks, God, for your closeness, for inviting us into your embrace. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, so before we dive into the message, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, some of you might be joining us for the first time online and, uh, and are curious about who we are. My name, I didn't say my name. My name's Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here at Living Hope Community Church. And um, we have been open for about a month now. Uh, beginning of June is when we said, okay, we will open our doors. And uh, if you want to worship with us, you can. I just sent an email out a couple of days ago saying, uh, you know, it's good to worship with those of you who gather with us. But for all of those who are participating, the vast majority of our church is still participating online. And uh, to make sure you know that is great. That is okay. Do not feel any pressure or guilt or anything to show up here. Uh, I know some of us, we had sent out a survey a while back saying, when do you think you might show up at church on Sunday? And um, we had quite a few people that said, eh, probably sometime in July or, you know, some folks said August, September, next year, you know. Uh, it just depends. And we all are in different circumstances. You know, we've got folks in our church with some serious health issues uh, and some folks who are uh, very vulnerable to the disease that is uh, nationwide on, a, on an upswing right now. And uh, especially coming out of Fourth of July weekend, uh, hopefully we won't be seeing a huge increase in cases as people got together and celebrated um, our freedoms and all the rest and blowing things up. Um, we'll see. All right. Uh, please continue. I, I, we're all praying for God to end this thing quickly, for God to guide those who are researching, the, the scientists, the medical professionals, those who are coming up with treatments, those who are coming up with vaccines, those who are working at this thing. And... Um, Hopefully we can all do our part to love our neighbors and make sure that we are not spreading it potentially. Uh, I was just hearing another story this last week of someone who um, spread it to a whole bunch of their family and friends without even realizing they were sick. You know, they, they hadn't had any symptoms yet. And they decided to quit ignoring, you know, they weren't following the guidelines, they weren't keeping their distance, they weren't wearing a mask, all that stuff, and turned out they infected a bunch of their friends and, and others. And, and uh, I know I don't want to be the person that has to apologize to a whole bunch of people because I infected them. Um, and we don't want to have to apologize to our church family and to, to you because uh, we infected you or something. That's why you're all sitting scattered around the room. That's why we're encouraging masks as you come and go. Um, that's why we're doing communion with the, the little cups instead of coming forward and, and dipping bread in juice. Um, it's frustrating, and I don't think any of us like it, um, but we're all doing what we need to at the present time. Um, all right, uh, if you want to give, uh, if you're online, you can give. You can click the link or you can go to our website, livinghope.info. There are links there to give online. Um, thank you to all of you who continue to faithfully give so we can continue to, to serve, uh, so I can continue to serve uh, as your pastor. And so we can uh, <laughs> keep the lights on for those of us who come. And so we can continue to do the, the live streaming thing for the people who are participating from home. Um, uh, thank you for giving. Thank you for participating. And thank you for not just disconnecting during this time. Um, it's, it would be a tempting thing to just decide, you know, I'm just going to turn into a, like a lone ranger here. I'm just going to do my own thing. You know, it's me and Jesus, and I guess I don't really need the church after all. You know, I mean, I haven't been able to show up now for so long. I'll just watch what I want, you know, watch services online. I'll just pray. I don't really need to reach out to anybody. There are people 
that you know, that normally you would bump into, perhaps on a Sunday morning, uh, or people that you would bump into in your neighborhood, there are people that need you to reach out to them. Uh, so if God is bringing someone to mind, and you're like, you know what, I wonder how they're doing. Pray for them and reach out to them, all right? Send them a note, shoot them an email, send them a text, give them a call. If, you, if they're from our church and you need their contact information, we've got church directories, which don't do you much good if you're you know, don't have one, but uh, let me know. I'll look them up and I'll give you their number uh, as long as they've shared it with the rest of the church. I'll share it with you and, uh, and you can reach out to them. And uh, this is a time to be making sure that we are connecting, even if we're not physically connecting, uh, to make sure that we're continuing to reach out and stay connected to each other and to stay connected to the mission that God has given us here in the world. Uh, keep praying for your neighbors and coworkers and friends and family uh, who don't know that God is with them through this, who don't have the peace that is you know, carrying us through the storm. Uh, keep praying for them. And if God nudges you to reach out, reach out, you know, reach out to them uh, with a word of encouragement or something. All right. All right. With this being the, uh, the 4th of July weekend and with, uh, presidential candidates getting back to holding rallies and campaign events and all that. I had intended way back when, uh, before all this started, I thought, oh, it's 4th of July weekend. That's a perfect time to talk about politics and faith and all the rest. I, I usually try to do that on uh, election, presidential election years. I usually wait until closer to election time. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know what? Summer is going to be in the heat of it. And I think, I don't remember when Democrats and Republicans have their conventions. I think that's next month maybe. But um, they're, they're campaigning. Uh, let's talk about how politics interacts with our faith. And Let's talk about how we as Christians should, uh, should engage with each other. But then I feel like God nudged me in a little different direction. Uh, for the past month, in like, I don't know, a dozen different ways at least, uh, I've been bumping into the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' most famous uh, speech given to a huge crowd. I mean, I guess in some ways... Uh, it's not too different from political rallies uh, where there's a leader or someone who wants to be the leader of a nation who speaks to a large crowd and lays out their vision for here's who we can be or here's who we are and here's, here's where I can lead you, here's where I can take you. If you listen to me, if you follow me, if you'll elect me, then this is who we can be going forward. This is, this is the kind of people that we can be as a nation. This is the agenda that I have. These are the policies I want to see put in place um, and trying to encourage people to trust and to follow them. Right? I mean, that's what political leaders are doing right now. Uh, and, you know, they put down their opponents along the way. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, Matthew, in his gospel, has, uh, has... We don't know how this all played out exactly. Maybe Jesus stood up and just... Matthew's just quoting him, and he said this on a mountain just like this. Maybe Matthew is collecting things that Jesus said over and over and over again, and he's put them together in this way so that we can follow along. Um, uh, I do know as, the, as it begins, as he begins the message, and Matthew says that Jesus, well, actually, let me, let me look at it here. Let me pull it out. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you can open it up. I failed once again to get the words up on the screen. Um, but um, this time I have an excuse. I was on vacation this last week, all right? So I, I wasn't here to put the words on the screen. Um, anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 5, as, he be, as it begins, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And that phrase that translated here, he began to teach them, uh, um, the way the, the Greek is written there, it, it has the implication of like, this is the kind of thing that Jesus taught. This is the sorts of things that Jesus taught his disciples. And, um, and here we have a moment where Jesus, if you, if you, I always encourage you to read the context. If you back up to chapter 4, uh, Jesus has begun his ministry officially now. All right? He was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River, and the Spirit of God came down on a dove. This is my son. Listen to him. Um, he has gone through the testing in the wilderness where he has to face the temptations and, and 
says no to temptation, says yes to his heavenly father. He has begun to call his disciples. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven, the, the rule of God, the reign of God has come near in Jesus, is, is the implication that Matthew wants us to pick up very strongly. Um, that as Jesus shows up, God is beginning to rule and to reign here and now. That God is, is beginning to make things right. That's why in the next verses it says Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. This is good news that God is showing up and making things right. He's healing the diseases. Uh, it says news about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill. Uh, it says large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, the region across the Jordan followed him. Large crowds are gathering. News about him was spreading. He was going viral in the good way, right? I mean, everyone was hearing about Jesus and wanting to see, what does he have to say? Is this someone who could lead us out of the mess that we're in? Is this someone that I should vote for with my attention, with my life, with my allegiance? And that's where in the very next verse says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he goes up on a mountain and he begins to teach. He's teaching his disciples, it says. His disciples came to him. Those who wanted to learn from him came to him. Um, just like you would tune in or listen to anybody, any politician, any political leader. Uh, or you can tune out and say, oh, man, I don't care about those guys. I'm not voting anyway or whatever. All right. Or you've already you've decided you're voting for uh, somebody else. Um, you're writing somebody in, whatever. Jesus goes up on a mountain. And, and Matthew wants us to see Jesus as kind of like a second Moses here with going up on the mountain. Uh, his audience knows the story of how when God led his people out of slavery in Egypt and, and Moses leads them through the wilderness, he takes them to the mountain of God and Moses goes up on the mountain, meets with God and gets those 10 commandments and gets, well, quite a few more than just the 10. But then he brings them down. He speaks with the authoritative word of God to the people. And here is what God has to say to us. And Jesus now goes up on a mountain and his disciples come to him, and he teaches. But he knows it's not just his disciples, not just people who are committed to Jesus who are listening. He knows he's got crowds that have gathered who want to know, okay, Jesus, what is your agenda? How do you see the world? Where would you lead us if we decide to follow you? And he begins, I think, in kind of an interesting way. He's, he, begins, he begins by pronouncing blessings, by saying there are people in this world who are blessed. There are people in this world that God is smiling on. And I think most of us, when we look around and we think, well, who is God smiling on? Who is, who's blessed? Who's doing well? You know, I mean, we look and we see people who, who are doing well, people who are, you know, they've got, they've got their health. They've got, uh, they've got family and friends around them. They've got uh, the good job and the good pay and the good, you know, they can, they can take the trips. They can buy the fancy toys. They can do all the stuff. Maybe they're rich. Maybe they're powerful. Maybe they're famous. And we think, man, they're, they're blessed. You know, they can just tweet out, I'm running for president. And a whole bunch of people get excited. Um, um, Kanye West just did that. I don't know if any of you guys know that. I don't, I don't have any idea what he's thinking or what's going to happen with that. But anyway, uh, people are listening, you know, to what they have to say. These are people who are blessed, right? And Jesus, uh, I heard one uh, Bible scholar say, Jesus blesses people no one else is blessing. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And they turn specifically to them and says, blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, you are blessed. And he speaks to people who today we would say, no, they're not blessed. They're going through you know, a terrible time here. They're going through hell right now. How could you call them blessed? You know, they're the opposite of blessed, whatever that is, cursed. They, they look like they're cursed right now. You know, they're mourning because they've lost some, something or someone they love. They are, they are hurting. They are empty. They feel spiritually impoverished. You know, like they're, they're out of spiritual energy, out of breath. They don't have it anymore. They're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for justice, and they're not being filled right now. How can you call them blessed? Well, Jesus pronounces blessing. He says that God is blessing you. God is smiling on you in part because of his perspective, because he knows the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of God is arriving. The time is coming when God is making all things right. And that's why he's saying to him, look, yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. He's saying it's not the, the powerful, the mighty, those with all the weapons and the bombs that it will inherit the land, the earth. He says, no, it's the meek. It's the humble. It's those who are serving. He said, those who are hungry, they will be filled. He said, because of what is coming, because of what God is about to do, you are blessed. Because God is going to show up on the scene and he is going to satisfy those desires. He's going to satisfy those needs. And that is a blessed thing to be to be blessed by God, to, be, to, be, to have God provide for you, to have God lift you up, to have God seek you out and find you when, when you think of yourself as a loser. Do you remember last week when my dad was up here preaching, uh, talking about the story about Zacchaeus and uh, how in his own eyes and in the eyes of his society, he was a loser. You know, he might have had a lot of money, but, but in so many ways, he was pushed aside, cast out, rejected. He was, he was a loser in so many ways, yet Jesus seeks him out and blesses him with his, with his presence and is able to say, look, salvation has come to this man's house today. And Zacchaeus' life has changed. He's able to see himself not the way he has seen himself, not the way others have seen him as a loser, but he's able to see himself as one who is blessed by God, who is loved by God. And here's Jesus saying the same thing to people who find themselves on the underside of life, saying, you are blessed. God is smiling on you. You might not feel that way. You might have, you might have thought what everybody else thought. Oh, man, you're messed up. God must not be happy with you. That must be why you're going through this difficulty. He says, no, no. You are blessed by God. Jesus blesses those no one else is blessing. And then he moves on to, uh, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But then he moves on to, uh, to these images that, uh, frankly, political leaders have picked up from time to time uh, to talk about our nation. This idea that we are this shining city on the hill. I remember uh, President Reagan saying when I was younger, um, and he and others have picked up these images from the Sermon on the Mount to talk about us as a nation. But Jesus is talking to his followers. And he's saying, he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. It's going to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, these are images that he uses to talk to his followers. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Fantastic images, fantastic metaphors. Uh, sorry, I've got, I've got that song going through my head right now. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know, that's, that's from this passage. 
He's saying you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Metaphors that we should embrace and say like, well, this is what Jesus says of us if we are trusting him. Just like if you are fit the descriptions that Jesus was just talking about, you should see yourself as blessed by God. You should own that. You should accept that. You should say, wow, okay, maybe I really am blessed. Okay, God, you're smiling on me. Okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm I'm to follow you, that you are blessing me, that you are smiling on me. I'm looking forward to what you're bringing as your kingdom comes in all of its fullness. Similarly, we should embrace this, say, okay, say, I'm supposed to be salty. <laughs> I'm supposed to be shiny. <laughs> I'm supposed to be salt and light. Uh, the thing that ties those two together is that salt and light, both of those don't just exist for themselves, right? You don't just stare into a light. Uh, you don't just lick salt. Uh, you, you put salt on things, you know, whether it's the, the ice that you're trying to melt or the food you're trying to taste or whatever it might be, you put salt on other things. Uh, light, you shine on something. And he tries to bring that. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You know, you're the light of the world. You know, it's not just light for yourself. You're not just salt for yourself. You're for others. Uh, the salt one, um, you know, people have gone all kinds of different directions. Pastors have brought out, you know, dozens of different things that you can do with salt. And maybe that's what Jesus was talking about. Those are ways we can think about it, you know, that it brings out the flavor. Uh, that it, you know, I mentioned melts the eyes. It preserves food. does all these, all these things. One of the things I want to... Uh, and, and, uh, and it's good in small doses. I guess both of these, it's true too, right? They're, they're good in just the right amount. You get too much light and you're blinded. You get too much salt and you, you're sickened, you know? Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, tasted something that had way too much salt in it. And you're like, oh, ah, ugh, that is just not, it's not right, you know? A certain amount is, is a beautiful thing. Uh, way too much and, uh, and that's bad. Did any of you guys play that trick on your friends when, when you were younger and you were going out to the restaurant to the fast food place and you take the salt shaker and you unscrew the lid, you know, so that when they go to salt their food, it just, you know, all dumps out. You've just ruined their food, right? I mean, it's, that's a terrible prank to pull on somebody. But uh, we just the other day, uh, as we were on vacation, got some food from a restaurant and part of it had been seasoned way too much and uh, we just couldn't eat it. You know, and because of the whole thing, we'd gotten it to go. We were eating out somewhere else. We're like, oh, well, I guess we're just not eating that now. You know, salt is that way. Um, that's probably why I said the Apostle Paul, who says in another place that our, our conversation should be full of grace, seasoned with salt, uh, so that you know how to answer everyone. It's like when you're talking to people uh, out there, there should be just the right amount of salt. You know, you don't, you don't want to be throwing salt in their faces or anything, you know, cramming a bunch of salt down their throat. Instead, what salt does, the thing I like about it, and I heard another pastor say this just recently, that salt makes us thirsty. I love that image when I think about how I'm supposed to be salt for others. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be making them, making them thirsty. I'm supposed to be making, giving them just enough that they want to know more. If I'm talking to them about Jesus, if I'm talking to them about, about the, you know, who it is that I'm trusting and following, putting my hope in. I'm not putting my hope in whoever gets elected president this, this fall. I'm putting my hope in Jesus. And, uh, and if I'm talking about Jesus to them, I want to give them just enough to make them want to know more. I don't want to give them so much that they're like, quit talking about Jesus, would you, please? I want to give them just enough that they're like, oh, that's interesting. And the way that we live our lives should similarly make people thirsty. To know, like, how is it that you have this peace? How is it that you have this hope? How is it that you're able to persevere? How is it that you're able to love that person? They were such a jerk to you, and you turned around, and you, you did good to them. Where does that come from? And you're able to say, well, that's what Jesus taught us to do. And, and uh, uh, frankly, I don't think I'd have it in me if it wasn't him helping me to do it. And you just leave that right there, you know? And then let them ask you more. Just You live your life in a way that makes people curious, makes them thirsty for the life that... Uh, that God wants us to live this blessed life, life with him smiling on us. You're the light of the world. Um, 
Now, again, light shines on something else, but then Jesus right away says, but you know, he wants us to be visible. He says, a town built on a hill can't be hidden. That's that image, that city on a hill that the politicians pick up, you know, that, that the world is looking at us. We're to be this shining example to the other nations of freedom or democracy or whatever it is that they're promoting at the time. Um, it's, a, it's a great image for selling stuff, I suppose. Um, and Jesus says this about us. says, you're the light of the world. You can't hide a town built on a hill. It's right there. Everyone can see it. You don't hide a light under a bowl. You, you, you put on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So you are light for others. The way you live your life, he says, will be a shining example to others of the life that can be lived when the light of Christ is shining in you, when you are living in his light. When, um, it was just in the chapter before, in Matthew chapter 4, um, where it was saying that uh, you know, Jesus had gone throughout Galilee. In the verses right before that, uh, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 9 to talk about Jesus going to Galilee. He feels like this is significant. And, and he looks to Isaiah who says, Land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He says this is what is happening with Jesus. As Jesus goes to these places, light is shining on people who light has not shined on before. Those who are living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned on them. Jesus is entering their midst. He's, he's going to them. He's proclaiming the good news that God is making things right, that God is in charge. That even though for them it seemed like, you know, well, I don't know if God is in charge, right? I mean, we've got his temple here in our capital city, but Rome has conquered us. Rome has got their soldiers uh, stationed in our capital city. We only worship because, uh, are able to worship because Rome lets us. If we, you know, poke our heads up too high, these Rome is going to come through with the sword and whack it off. You know, you're going to, you're going to, going to kill you. And uh, we, what do we do? You know, are we in, is God in charge or isn't he? And Jesus comes with the good news that yes, no, God is in charge. God's kingdom is coming. God is making things right. A light is shining in the darkness. It's Jesus. And as we trust and follow him, he says, now you are the light of the world. His light shines through us. And whatever happens politically, whatever happens with our country, whatever happens with viruses and all the rest, we can know that God is in charge. We can know that the kingdom of God is, is present in Jesus, the rule and reign of God. And as we trust and follow him, his light shines in our hearts. His light shines through our lives. And as people see the way that we live, as we trust and follow Jesus, he says, they, they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I'm, uh, he goes on, obviously, and we're going to continue in the weeks to come through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there are parts of this that people have found just kind of incredible. Uh, some of it inspiring, some of it uh, almost making us feel like, wow, what do I do with that? Because I, I, can't, I can't live that life. You know, I can't, I can't live up to the standards that Jesus gives us. It's almost these impossible ethics that he seems to lay out. That's what we're going to look at next week, all right? The rest of Matthew chapter 5, uh, as Jesus uh, lays out some of the things that we are to do and not do and how we're to live, and some of it seems just impossible. Uh, but I wanted to start with this part because he's kind of setting the, he's kind of laying out his vision, all right? He's kind of setting the stage for all that because we have to see ourselves first as people that, are, that have been blessed by God, people who God is smiling on, if, I suppose, if you fit these descriptions. Um, and that's where this, the Beatitudes, the blessings part, has sometimes been used as like, 
marching orders or something. Or like, okay, you got to do this. Uh, because the poor in spirit are blessed. Well, i got to make myself poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Okay, then I need to be mourning. I need to be taking the, the woes of the world seriously. I need to make myself meek. I need to, um, I need to do these things. And I don't know, maybe they're right, <laughs> frankly. I mean, there are, there are parts of it that definitely are describing actions that we can take, right? Blessed are the merciful. It's like, okay, I'm going to be a merciful person. I'm going to show mercy to others. And he says, I will be then, I will then be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. That doesn't just happen to you. Right? I mean, you trust God, and he, he purifies you. Right? He cleanses you. He helps you to live your life in a way that you've got pure motivations, and that you care about others. Um, blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, that's a tough one right there. Um, we would much rather be war makers. We would much rather make a conflict. We would much rather uh, stoke those fires and, and poke people in the eye and, and try to get a rise out of them and, and tell them all the ways they're wrong. And, and um, we would much rather do that. We're much better at conflict. We're much better at, at uh, you know, pushing people and pushing people and pushing people until they finally unfriend us and block us and make sure they don't ever see us again on, on social media. Uh, but he's saying blessed are the peacemakers. Those who are willing to step into an area of conflict and say, well, let's, let's look for some common ground here, folks. Let's make sure that we listen to each other. Hey, let's treat each other with respect. I'll model it first. I'll, I'll go first. People who are willing to step into the middle of the battle and say, okay, I'm going to refrain from swinging back at that one. All right, I'm going to refrain from, from hitting back. You're hitting me, I'm not going to hit back. I'm going to, you know, that's part of the difficult part he gets to later, turning the other cheek. Um, loving our enemies. And this is what it means to be a, a peacemaker. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. You, you look like your heavenly father, bringing peace to people who'd been at odds with each other. Uh, a ministry of reconciliation is what, what Paul calls it in one of his letters. So some of these are things we can do, but again, some of it is just, it's the situation you find yourself in. Things are not right for you, and you are hungry and thirsty for things to be made right. He says, you're blessed because you will be filled. You will be satisfied. Things will be made right. Blessed are those who mourn. I mean, none of us want to put ourselves in a place of mourning, right? I mean, that means you've just lost. He says, you're blessed if you're mourning because you will be comforted. God will step in and comfort you. The poor in spirit, <clears throat> being, being aware that you're at the end of your resources, says yours is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to people like you because you realize the only place I'm going to get any kind of strength, God, is from you. I don't have it in me. I'm all out. And as we trust in him, as we reach out to him, he says yours is the kingdom of heaven. So what, what, do, we, what do we do with this? Uh, I want to make sure... Um, we're going to skip to the very end here, all right? Matthew chapter 7, the very last verses, um, uh, when he wraps it up, um, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law, as one who said, let me tell you how it is. Let me tell you what God thinks. Let me tell you what God wants. Let me tell you who we are to be. And he speaks as one with authority, not just as one who's like, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this, and I think that's right, and then this person said this, and that's, I think that's right. He said, no, he spoke authoritatively. Like Moses who went up the mountain and said, here's what God says. Jesus goes up on the mountain and, and says, here is what God thinks of you. Here's who we are to be. Here's what God expects of us. If you're to live a blessed life, if you're to live a life that's honoring to God, the, the life God created you for, here's what that looks like. And people responded to that. Right before that, the last words that Jesus says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And there's another kid's song running through my head right now. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Um, Rains came down and the floods came up. Sorry, okay. Uh, <clears throat> and the house on the sand went splat. Uh, both groups of people, the wise and the foolish, heard what Jesus had to say. Maybe were moved by what he had to say. Heard this amazing sermon that Jesus gave. Stood there uh, looking up the mountain at him and thought, wow, this is inspiring. This is, this is amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for him come November. But then they didn't actually put it into practice. Some of them didn't. Some of them did. And Jesus says, that's, what, that's how you show whether you're wise or foolish. Is what do you do with what you've heard? So I'm hoping that today and, and the coming weeks as we listen to Jesus, actually I hope this for every Sunday, <laughs> as we listen to what God has to say from his words, we listen to the, the teachings of Jesus and the example of Jesus, I'm hoping that we don't just hear it and think, hmm, that was nice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I was about to say, that was eloquent, but people don't say that about me. Um, uh, you know, that was, that was good words from Jesus there, you know. Um, and it's so easy for us to walk away from it then and just like to feel uplifted in the moment or, or to feel convicted in the moment or whatever it might be and then just to walk away from it and move on with life and to let other people once again have our allegiance and our attention and to forget to do anything to not allow our lives to be changed. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want you to be foolish. I want to be wise. I want to hear what Jesus has to say and put it into practice with the way I live this afternoon, with the way I live this week, with the way I interact with the people around me. The salt and light, I mean, we talked about that a little bit in kind of practical terms, you know, that that we live our lives in such a way, uh, trusting and following Jesus in a visible way, in a public way, that, that models for others, well, here's, here's a life that looks something like Jesus. I'm stumbling toward it. I'm not there yet. You're going to see lots of stuff in me that doesn't look like Jesus, but in, on my good days, on the days when I'm trusting Jesus more, on the days when, you know, there are times where you're going to look at my life and you're going to see like, hmm, that's different. That's, that's Jesus, that's the light of Christ shining through me. If you're, if you're getting thirsty, if you're seeing something appetizing, if you're seeing something that like, looks like, well, I would like to be like, I would like to have that peace, I would like to have that joy, I would like to have that hope, well, that's because of Jesus. We live our lives in a way in front of others, um, I mean, and, and privately, but you know, we live our lives in a, in a way that where we don't seclude ourselves, we don't, just, we don't say, okay, you guys stay out there, we Christians are just going to huddle up here and we're going to do our thing and nobody can know what, what life is like. No, we live our lives in the open, visibly, in a way that lets people um, see what it is that Jesus wants for us. What do we, but how do we live out those blessings? Um, that's probably why pastors and people stand up here in my spot, turn them into things to do, because we've got to give people things to do with those, right? So I suppose you could turn those into things to do. Um, but I want us, too, to, to just, as we see the people around us, as we go through life, to think about who do I consider blessed? Who do I consider on the right track? Who do I consider favored by God and with God smiling on them? 
And if these folks are blessed, maybe I should be blessing them too. Maybe I should be viewing them as blessed. If I'm going to live my life patterned after Jesus, if I'm going to live my life as if God is in charge, as if he is king, and I'm living in the kingdom of God and under God's rule and his reign, if he says those people are blessed, maybe I should treat them like they're blessed. Maybe I should treat them like they're valuable. Maybe I should treat them like their lives matter. Maybe I should treat them like, like people that God loves and is blessing. And who knows, God might want to work through me to bring some of that blessing God might want to work through me to satisfy uh, some of that hunger and thirst for righteousness. God might want to work through me to bring some of that comfort. Please, as you listen to Jesus, whether you're listening to me or some other pastor, maybe, maybe, after, maybe after this, maybe you're about to turn this off because you're like, you know what, I want to see what that other church has to say. I like that pastor a little more. There are pastors I like more than me too. I, I love listening to other pastors. Um, uh, Make sure you do something with it. Don't just listen to what that other pastor has to say or what I have to say. Listen for what the Spirit of God wants you to do with it. How are you going to put this into practice in the way that you live? That's how you discover the blessed life. Jesus, at the end, uh, near the end of John's gospel, as he's washing his disciples' feet, uh, says he set an example for them to serve each other, to love each other as I have loved you. And, and he says in there, uh, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Uh, so he, he used that similar language about being blessed and about needing to put it into practice. You want to be blessed. You want your life to be able to withstand the storms of life. Uh, you, want, you want to make it through. You need to put these things into practice. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we need your help to be able to put these things into practice, to let our minds be shaped by you and the vision that you have, Lord Jesus, for who we can be. And what, uh, what your people are to look like, how we're to live here in the world. If we're going to be salt that, that brings out flavor and that makes people thirsty, if it's going to be salt that's useful, God, if we're going to be light that actually illuminates uh, the people around us, that lets your light shine through us, we're going to need your help, God. It is so much easier for us to just be like everyone else, for us to go with the flow and to live unremarkable lives. Lives that don't stand out. But Jesus, you in this message are giving are, are giving us a, a kind of a countercultural view of, of who is blessed. You're, you're gonna give us some, some ways to live in the coming weeks, in the coming chapters, in the coming verses, that if we will live this way, I mean it will it will be noticeable. God help us to trust and follow you. Help our hearts, help our allegiance. Uh, help our lives to be shaped by you more than by anyone else. We want so much to seize power for ourselves. We want so much to, uh, well, God, you know we put our hope in so many other people and so many other uh, institutions. God, help us to put our trust in you. Help us to trust and follow Jesus. And not just to listen to what he has to say and think, oh, those are, those are inspiring words, but Lord Jesus, would you help us to put what you teach into practice? to live this way. God, there are a whole lot of folks uh, who are hearing this who don't feel very blessed right now. And God, I pray that you would help them to see themselves the way you do. I pray that you would help them to have a vision of you 
their heavenly father looking at them, smiling at them, loving them, pouring out your grace and your goodness that they can know that they are blessed by you. God, I pray you'd help them to have the strength to hold on as your kingdom is coming, as you are making things right. I pray that you'd help them to experience even now a taste of that coming kingdom, that they would experience your comfort, your strength, your spiritual resources, your justice and righteousness. God, help us to be a people who show mercy. Help us to be a people who, who like you, make peace. Help us to trust and follow you. God, I can't imagine. I can try. I can, I can try to imagine how different the world might be if all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus would actually take this seriously, would put into practice the things that you teach us just in this one sermon. Help us to do it. By your Holy Spirit alive within us, would you help us to do it? To put these things into practice. To live our lives with your light shining through us. Transform our hearts and minds, we pray, so that we might be agents of your transformation here in the world, bringing your grace and your hope and your light and your life to people who so desperately need it. We thank you, God. You have shown us this love in your son, Jesus Christ. And that's why we are happy for the opportunity to celebrate together uh, this sacrament of communion. As we offer to you gifts of bread and juice, we pray that your spirit would meet us here. That we would experience not just bread and juice, but that we would meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, broken and poured out for us to set us free. Jesus, you put into practice. <laughs> you, you put into practice the things that you taught. You, you lived and you loved, for, you lived for others. You loved sacrificially. You gave your life to set us free so that we don't have to be the same, so that our lives can be changed by you. So we offer you ourselves. I pray that by your Spirit's presence in our lives today, right now, that we might be transformed into the body of Christ your hands and your feet. Shiny light, salty salt. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I've asked the musicians if they would lead us in song before we celebrate communion together. If you're at home and you wish to celebrate communion with us, uh, and you haven't already gathered together some bread or some juice, now is your chance. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace and the chance we have to experience today in the celebration of communion. On the night that he was betrayed, after dinner, Jesus took bread and broke it. When he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. Eat this. This is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread.
After supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, This, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you, God, for the great love you have shown us in Jesus Christ. Would you so fill us with the spirit of Christ that we just can't help but let your light shine through us. We can't help but live our lives in such a way that other people can see hope in us, can see peace because we're experiencing peace with your presence in our lives, that we can be a people who love others the way you have loved us, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.